0: Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kera, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Okay, fantastic! So, Titani nerds, welcome back to the next episode of the Dental Implant Podcast. Um, I'm actually really excited today because I've got a uh, friend of mine from the states that uh, Mike. We've known each other for a number of years now, haven't, uh, haven't we? Yes. And uh, um, yeah, it's uh, I came across you as a as, as a fitness expert. Uh, I've been a client of yours, buying your supplements for a number of years, and they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, normally, when when we do these types of podcasts. It's, uh, i have guests on what which- bouncing ideas off each other, and I, you know, I, I normally have my own uh, uh, thoughts on things, you know, we have a good discussion, I am going to be overwhelmed with information today, I already know that, because um, Mike is a real expert in this field, um, Mike, uh, I'll, I'll get him to introduce himself in one moment, uh, but what this guy doesn't know about uh, hormone optimization and the healing, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to, to get Mike on, Uh, As I said, I'm seeing a lot of patients coming in who just aren't healing the same, their bone qualities are altered and systemically there's something going on. I know that and this is why I wanted Mike on board because hopefully he's gonna shed some light into it. So I have no idea what direction uh, we're going to go uh, today and um, I'm going to just be listening intently and trying not to let my jaw hit the floor. So just so you're aware, it is uh, two o'clock for Mike and it's 10 o'clock for me here. So I'm not a night owl. I normally wake up early in the morning. So if you if you catch me yawning, it's just because it's late for me. That's all that it is. Uh, so Mike, if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background and history. And then as I said, the main things I wanted uh, your opinion on, please, if we could, is firstly, systemic health and how important it is for, um, uh, for healing and recovering from injury um, and bone metabolism and soft tissue healing. So if you could give us a
1: background on yourself first, that would be very much appreciated. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Thank you. Well, I always describe myself as a fitness professional, but honestly, the more I think about it, the more I am a guy who has dealt with depression as early as I can remember, even as a child. And when I look at the trajectory of my life, when I look at all the different decisions i made in my life, all of it was to feel better. How do I make myself feel better? I'm depressed. No one understands my depression. Anyone who has depression, which is different from sadness, it's very frustrating when you talk to people who have never experienced depression because they don't get it. So it makes you feel really lonely, like there's something wrong with you. And often when you talk about depression, they'll look at circumstances and go, well, what are you depressed about? You're in shape, you look good, you make good money, you have a nice house, you have a nice wife, what are you depressed about? And that's the problem right there with the Western mindset is that it's all based on what you have in terms of happiness. And none of those things make you happy unless you're happy with yourself, as cliche as it sounds. So I think my whole life has been focused on making myself feel better first. And that's how I got into hormone optimization. But before that, I did a lot of drugs and drinking when I was a teenager because I wanted to feel better. That didn't work. Then I got into fitness when I was a teenager, senior in high school, and I caught that fitness bug, especially in particular weightlifting. And that made me feel better. Then I cleaned up my diet. That made me feel better. Then I got into spirituality and I have a degree in religious studies. That made me feel better. And then I started doing a bunch of jobs that I hated that made me feel way worse. (laughs) So then I started thinking, okay, I can't live the rest of my life like this. It's just not going to work. I'll commit suicide or drive myself off a cliff. And I don't say that in a cavalier manner that that's, that's a fact. So I got into this line of work because this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do fitness. It's the only thing I'm super passionate about and I'm not going to be good at anything if I'm not passionate about it. And more importantly, I'm not going to be happy if I'm not doing something that I'm passionate about. And some may look at that as a luxury, and that's okay for them to look at it as a luxury because I have to focus on my own life, not what other people think of me and my decisions. You know, I'm the one who deals with my mental health struggles, no one else. So I have to do what I need to do to improve my mindset. And that led me to hormone optimization when I was around 30. When I was around 30, I was dealing with hormone imbalances. My testosterone wasn't optimal. My DHEA in particular was very low, which is the ultimate stress management hormone. And it was just a convergence of personal life stress, professional life stress. This was early in my business, so I wasn't doing well financially. And then just emotional stress that I've carried throughout my life. And that's the most insidious because emotional stress is often something your subconscious mind is dealing with. You're not dealing with it consciously. So imagine a sleeper cell that's just waiting to be activated. These your subconscious mind is dealing with this stress all the time and it's causing stress to you systemically, but you're not aware of it. Cognizantly, you're just not focused on it. And that's the problem because if you don't know what the issue is, how are you supposed to address it? know, if you yeah. don't know why you're depressed, how are you supposed to get healthier? And if you have a broken leg and you don't know how to get, you don't know what to do for treatment, how you, how do you expect it to heal? So hormone optimization was a very direct path of, This is crucial to feel way better because if your hormones are out of whack, if you have very low testosterone as a man or as a woman, because again, testosterone is not a male hormone. I hear these quote unquote experts on Instagram talk about testosterone. They always refer to it as a male hormone. Now, if it were a male hormone, then women wouldn't have it. Just as estrogen is not a female hormone because men have it as well. And you need to have a balance of testosterone and estrogen. Just talking about these two for now, there's a whole orchestra of hormones that are also important. But the, one of some of the biggest misnomers is get your testosterone as high as possible and get your estrogen as low as possible. I'll tell you this you can have the highest testosterone ever, but if your estrogen levels are depleted, they're very low, you will have no sex drive whatsoever. You will have no sex function, which is a fancy way of saying erectile dysfunction. You wouldn't be able to get. You wouldn't be able to have sex if your life depended on it when your estrogen levels are extremely low. Someone could put a gun to your head and say, look, you have to have sex right now or I'm going to kill you. And you would say, sorry, you're just going to have to kill me because it's not going to rise to the occasion, pun intended. Now, estrogen is also really important for brain health. So do you want estrogen levels high? No, but you want it in the right balance. Just like you don't necessarily want testosterone super high either. You want it at the optimal range for you, which is going to be different for you than it is for me, than it is to the next five Mm -hmm. people we see walking down the street. So that's why it takes nuance with hormones. It's not as simple as let's get some blood work and say, okay, let's get your levels into these ranges and you're going to feel perfect because we have an idea of what the optimal range is. But we don't know for sure until the person lets us, gives us feedback. You know, I've seen guys with a total testosterone of 900, which is really high. And if you just looked at that, you would think, wow, this person's levels are off the charts. But then you look at their free testosterone, and this is what we actually have access to. So think about total testosterone as money in a savings account. And your free testosterone is the amount that you can access without penalty. So let's say you have a million dollars in the bank, but you can only access 10% of it without penalty. So essentially you have a hundred thousand dollars. You don't have a million dollars. You have a hundred thousand dollars because that's what you can access. So free testosterone is the same thing. If you have a total testosterone of 900, that doesn't mean you have full access to all 900 of that. Let's say your free testosterone is 120 on a scale of 70 to 200. It's going to be different testing methods, in the U.K. versus the U.S. and even at different labs here. That free number is the only one that really matters because that's what you actually have access to. Yeah. So it's, it's in, and testosterone goes way beyond just mood and getting physically stronger. It's also really important for bone health, as you alluded to earlier. So you talked about how a lot of your patients are coming in and their bones are not strong and they're in these inflammatory states. If you have really low levels of testosterone, low levels of estrogen, you're going to have really poor bone health in both men and women. So this, and also testosterone is very important for heart health. So the benefits of each hormone are way more than just one singular entity. Now DHEA is crucial for stress management, but it's also really important for heart health. It also plays a big role in sex drive. It also plays a huge role in mood. has antidepressant effects. So when someone has really low DHEA levels, it's going to be impossible to feel your best. And that's what people really need to understand about hormones is this, your hormones have way more impact on how you think and feel versus the other way around. So often you'll hear people say, yeah, I meditate to increase my DHEA level. Okay, that'll work to some extent. But if you had optimal DHEA levels already, you would have better meditation abilities you would be able to get into that meditative state faster and for a more prolonged period of time some Mm -hmm. people say oh i work out to increase my testosterone and yeah working out can increase your testosterone it's a sign of a good workout actually but it only stays up for about maybe an hour at most so if you have low testosterone and then you manage to let's say triple it which is unlikely but let's say theoretically you tripled it through an intense weight training workout That's great, that's a sign of a good workout as opposed to cortisol going way up after a workout, but it's only gonna stay up for about an hour and then you go right back to your baseline. So we can't look at workouts as the solution to increasing testosterone levels in particular. We have to have optimal testosterone levels going into the workout. That's where you get the real benefit from it. Testosterone is just one hormone. There's master control hormones such as insulin, leptin, growth hormone. These have even more profound effects. We, we have a very unhealthy society now in the developed worlds. People are carrying way more body fat than they ever have. Insulin resistance is out of control. And you can look at how someone carries body fat as an indicator of what their hormonal profile is as well. It doesn't take the place of blood testing, but it's certainly a factor. And it's certainly something someone could do immediately. Someone watching this right now could go do the mirror test and see and assess to some extent what their hormone levels are. And what I mean by that is... You see more men now that carry body fat the way an overweight woman carries body fat. So a lot of lower body fat, stomach, legs, glutes. Okay, that's a sign that your estrogen levels are way too high. That's why you have a proclivity for storing body fat that way. When you tend to store body fat in the stomach area, so let's say you don't really have it anywhere else that's visible, not in your legs or upper body, just mainly your stomach. That's a sign that your cortisol levels are very high. So you're in this adrenal fatigue type state. If you have a lot of pectoral body fat, that's a sign that you're converting way too much testosterone to estrogen. So while this is not a foolproof methodology to assess hormone levels, it's certainly one that plays a role. And it's certainly one that you can utilize. Now here in Las Vegas, one of the most entertaining things to do is people watch. So you go to the strip, you go to a place where it's heavily populated, and you just watch people walking by. And I have this terrible joke, but it's funny (laughs) And I say that a lot of straight couples, man and a woman, look like lesbian couples now. And I don't mean lipstick lesbians, right? Like the the beautified lesbians. I mean the the lesbians that are somewhat masculine. And what I mean by that is, and I'm not making fun of lesbians or or deriding them in any way, but the point I'm making is that is, you have a man and a woman whose hormone levels are so imbalanced, his testosterone's low, her testosterone is around the same level as his. His estrogen levels are high or depleted. Her estrogen levels are probably depleted at a certain age. So she's carrying body fat in the same way that he is. They both have short hair. They both have glasses. Now they become interchangeable. And you see this phenomenon way more often. And it's it's scary to me that people are willing to accept such a level of decline. Now, I'm sure you hear this a lot. Once someone passes 40, they think it's all over. I, I, look, I, I talk to guys that are in their early 30s. And they're going, yeah, I'm going to have to talk to my doctor about TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. I go, at 30? 30? You're already thinking about that? Because there are so many environmental toxins that we're all exposed to. It's somewhat daunting to even know about it because there's only so much you can do about it. You can do a lot about the food you eat. You can do a lot about your stress management. You can do a lot about making sure your sleep is on point, making sure that you're physically active making sure that you do something you enjoy doing. Those are all things that are within your control. But what's not within our control is the exposure to environmental toxins because they are just promulgated every time we walk out the door. We're being exposed to these things. And there are are billions of chemicals out there. And in the U.S., only about 40,000 are even classified. So you can just imagine we're just kind of hormone disrupting chemicals we're being exposed to. Now, this is one of the biggest reasons why we see so many people with hormonal issues at younger and younger ages. I think someone posted something that the average guy now in his 20s has the testosterone levels of someone in their 60s, 20, 30 years ago. Now, that may be an exaggeration, but it's probably not that far from the truth, honestly, because I get young guys emailing me daily with low testosterone levels. And many of these guys are dedicated to a fitness lifestyle as well not just people that are sedentary. So those things you have to be aware of, but you don't want to overly fixate on that because there's only so much you can do about that. Now, the good news is there is a lot that is within your control and number one is making sure that you eat the cleanest diet possible. So whether you eat meat or whether you're a vegan like me, the key is to focus on real food as much as possible in the healthiest, cleanest sources you can find. So if you eat meat, you want to avoid factory farming meat, even if you don't care about the humane aspects of it, right? Let's say you could care less about that. You have to realize that animals that are really unhealthy, that are killed for your meat consumption, if the animal is unhealthy, it's not going to be healthy for you to eat it. It's as simple as that. And these animals are extremely unhealthy. They're given copious amounts of antibiotics to keep them alive long enough to be slaughtered. They're on very poor diets that are not what nature inclined them to eat, so you're you're t- you're consuming very unhealthy animals and then wondering why you're not healthy. And then on top of that, the meat is packaged in this Saran Wrap type material, which has high levels of xenoestrogens, which are hormone disrupting chemicals. So that's just being permeated into the meat all day long before you buy it. So what you want to do if you eat meat is get the healthiest. Go to a go to a butcher. Ideally, you get grass-fed beef or animals that are humanely treated, meaning not on factory farms. And that's going to go a long way because the biggest mistake I think people make is, look, it's one thing to be cheap about things that don't matter. The car you drive, the clothes you wear, okay, none of those things really matter in the big scheme of things. But people tend to be cheap with the things that do matter, such as the food you yeah. consume right? You only have one body. If you you could drive your car into the ground and you can just go buy another one. You can always get another car. You can always get more clothes, but once your body has reached a tipping point of no return, that's it. It's over. Unfortunately, there's many things you can do way before it gets to that point. But what I'm saying is that the number one thing that you should be prepared to spend as much money as you can afford on for your own benefit is your personal health. So the food you eat is crucial. Whatever you can afford, you want to allocate that to the healthiest food you can buy because that's going to have the most impact on your hormonal profile. And then having deep quality sleep is crucial as well because we're in this high-stress, highly caffeinated world now. And on top of that, we have a lot of pre-workout drinks that have basically the equivalent of methamphetamines in it. And what's interesting is a lot of trainers live off pre-workout drinks and copious coffee because they're sleep-deprived. They're training people all day long. They're trying to get their workout in and they're relying on stimulants, which give you the illusion of energy. That's all the caffeine from coffee is not, it doesn't increase ATP in your body, the energy molecule. It doesn't give you fuel the way food does, for example. But what it does do is it stimulates your brain to believe that you're in this heightened state because you have a release of adrenaline. So you're going, okay, now I'm ready to go. And that's good, but there's a price you pay every time you get that adrenaline boost. So every time you drink a cup of coffee, you're gonna be more tired later than you would be if you didn't have it. And I'm not saying don't drink coffee, I have a cup of coffee right in front of me right now. But what I'm saying is you don't wanna overly rely on these things. They're not sources of real energy. The highest quality food you can buy, that's a source of real energy. Getting deep quality sleep, that's highly restorative and will give you more energy when you wake up. Ideally, you should wake up, and within minutes of arising, you're ready to go. Not you wake up, and you're groggy, and then you have your first cup of coffee, and then you're finally ready to go. That's the equivalent of I have a car with a dead battery, and every morning I just start it instead of getting a new battery. Yeah, that'll get me through the day, but I don't want to have to jump start my car every time I want to go somewhere. So you just have these jumper cables in your car and every time you, your car shuts off it conks out and now you have to, yeah. now you have to jump it you have to go somewhere again. <laughs> a lot of people are in that state. Now they wake up, they're tired, they have a cup of coffee. Afternoon comes, they're tired again, cup of coffee. But again, you're going to be more tired later and over the course of time you're going to develop what is called adrenal fatigue which is a real issue. Some people like to say, oh, adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. Like, look, you can call it any way you want. But if you have a condition where you wake up and your cortisol levels, your stress hormone is very low, and then it's very high in the evening, you have some adrenal issues because you want the opposite. What you want is that stress hormone cortisol high in the morning when you wake up, gets you out of bed, gets you moving, gets that adrenaline pumping. And then you want it really low in the evening so that you can get into that parasympathetic state and fall asleep. The problem many people have is this. They wake up and their cortisol levels are very low and they're low all day long. So they're tired all day long. And then what happens at one in the morning, that cortisol finally kicks in. So now your cortisol is way up. But the problem is it's one in the morning. And unless you're a gambler where you're going to be playing cards all night, that's not useful. You don't want adrenaline at one in the morning. You want to go to sleep. And now that now you're stuck in this vicious cycle of you're tired all day and now you have all this energy and you're just tossing and turning. So now you're going to have a poor quality night of sleep and you're going to wake up and you're going to be even more tired. So we have to use strategies to flip these things. And, and one thing that works very, very well for people that have this condition is licorice root. And you just take a licorice supplement. You can't, don't, don't think that you can have licorice candy and get the same benefit. That's not the same thing. You got to get a standardized root. You have it first thing in the morning, you have it in the afternoon. You Do that for 10 days. It flips that cortisol curve. So now you're naturally going to pump up cortisol in the morning and have it lower in the evening. You know, so that's one example of a fairly simple solution to address yeah. a condition that will have a negative impact on your, the quality of your life for sure.
0: So a couple of things that you've said here, Mike, which resonate with with, with, with some of the studying that I've been doing as well. Yeah. Firstly, quality of food is really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, so I've mentioned before uh, on this podcast uh, that when I get my fruit and vegetables, I get it from the local farmer's market as opposed to going to, to, to the supermarket. Yeah. And it, it tastes so much better. And you can just see it's fresher Um, you know if if we get meat we get it from uh, an an organic uh, uh, butcher where you know I know that they're farm raised it's regenerative farming as opposed to and uh, I always say to my wife because she was like well if you want this I can't get it you know shall I just go to the local supermarket and get the meat and I turn around and say to her no I said if we can't get it I'd rather stick to a vegetarian or or, or vegan diet Um, and it's the same with uh, I mean Mike you'll know the, the benefits of of olive oil as well is a lot of the olive oils on the, on the shelf that you get nowadays they're cut with uh, with rapeseed oil and really cheap um, uh, vegetable oils as well and that induces uh systemic inflammation as well so it's really yeah. important olive oil is exce- it's exceptionally good for you but it has to be really pure olive oil which yeah. reminds me I've got a gift I need to send you of a really good olive oil so
1: oh, cool. <laughs> I'll get that for you I love that. Um, but,
0: but it's, you know, it's, it, it goes back to that thing is this all of this, all of this has an accumulative effect. And you've spoken about the, you know, the interplay and the balance of, uh, of hormones and how, how intricate this balance is as well. So, how does that lead into what I'm trying to get to is the modern average lifestyle, not of somebody like yourself who understands this, but the modern average lifestyle of like my average patient who would come in. How is that? How is this lifestyle affecting their uh, their ability to heal and is there anything that we can do to help them?
1: Yeah Well I mean with I mean the, the more optimal your diet is, the less inflammation you're gonna have so the less gut less gut distress you're gonna have and see the thing about inflammation is that it's an immune response to a foreign invader so when you have a high level of inflammation, it's, as, it's actually a healing process. Your body's dealing with damage, and this is the, how the healing process is initiated. You know, After you work out, your inflammation levels are pretty high, and that's a good thing because that's inducing the healing process. Now, the problem is, is when you're chronically inflamed, and that happens from eating very high sugar foods, highly processed foods, foods with trans fats. Basically, anytime you eat out, no matter how healthy you try to make it, it's not going to be that healthy. In fact, it's probably going to be extremely unhealthy. I mean, there's a reason why food tastes so good when you go to a restaurant. And it's not because it has, it's not because they're thinking of your health as the primary motivator, They're using the (laughs) lowest quality oils that they can afford. They're not going to use olive oil or coconut oil. These are two really good oils. They're going to use vegetable oils, which are very low quality. And then they fry foods in those oils, which makes it even worse. So I mean, people that eat out often, it's almost impossible to be healthy if you're eating out often unless you're eating something such as a salad and you're using olive oil as a dressing ins- instead of some kind of ranch dressing where it's just really creamy and full of sugar and poor fats and chemical ingredients so when you so the more meals you have at home the better now this is assuming that you're actually making a meal from scratch not yeah. just putting something in the microwave And for me personally, I like to focus on legumes, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, mushrooms. I eat other things too, such as oatmeal, some grains, some quinoa, but legumes, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, mushrooms, those are the cornerstone of my diet. And then I look for the Mm -hmm. highest quality of each. So organic of each, ideally get go to a local farm like what you do, that's the best thing to do. And as you said, the food, people can argue that. Organic is a scam or that it's overpriced. Okay, fine, we can go back and forth on that all day long. But what we can't argue on is the fact that that locally grown food tastes way better than something that oh, took to get to the grocery store. I yeah. mean, when you get a tomato from a local farmer, it's a totally different experience than when you Mm -hmm. get a tomato from even Whole Foods, an organic tomato from Whole Foods, because that had to be on a truck for who knows how long. It was probably frozen, and then it was put out on the aisles. So by the time it gets to you, it's not going to have the same level of nutrition as it did from inception, and it's certainly not going to taste as good. And Mm -hmm. I think we can say that about any food is that the cleaner it is, the the better it's cultivated, the tastier it's going to be as well. And that makes it easier because a lot of people's taste buds are so desensitized that Mm -hmm. fruits taste bland to them. For example, when I eat blueberries, strawberries, they taste sweet to me. It's almost like a dessert. When a lot of other people eat those who are desensitized because they're just inundating themselves with sugar from a variety of sources, to them, it tastes like chalk. So one of the biggest challenges is getting people's taste buds retrained. And that's a process. So you have to overhaul your nutrition. And rather than just cutting out a lot of stuff, I always say, here's all the things I want you to add to your nutrition program. Now, you can have dessert, but I want you to have all of these foods first. This is your dinner, fruits and vegetables, everything else. Now, if you still feel hungry, go ahead and have whatever it is you like as a treat. Now, the majority of the time, what happens is is that people are not hungry because when you eat real food that's very nutritious, you're giving your muscles, your cells, your liver, everything it needs to function optimally. And what happens then is that your satiety is shut off. You're no longer hungry because everything has been fed. You're not just not hungry because you have a lot of food in your stomach. You're not hungry because your body is nourished now. As opposed to when you eat, let's say, something such as cereal, you can eat eight bowls of cereal in a row and still be hungry because it's not giving you optimal levels of nutrition. You don't just want macronutrients, right? Macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, fats. You want micronutrients, which are vitamins, minerals, polyphenols. Now, real food, such as everything I mentioned, has high levels of those micronutrients, highly processed manufactured foods may have high levels of macronutrients, primarily sugar and unhealthy fats, but it has virtually no micronutrients. You're not getting vitamins. You're not getting minerals. You're not getting polyphenols. You're not getting things that your body needs to function optimally. And what happens in that state is that you're always going to be hungry. We hear this from people that are dealing with excess body fat all the time. No matter how much I eat, I'm still hungry. And it's because they're eating foods that have no nutritional value whatsoever. So you never get the shut off switch. And this Mm -hmm. leads to a condition when you eat really unhealthy foods for prolonged periods of time, you can develop insulin resistance and leptin resistance and leptin is a hormone that we make in fat cells that communicates with your brain. So leptin is basically the equivalent of a fuel gauge in your car. When your gas is low in your car, You know that because the fuel gauge tells you that. And when it's filled up, you know that as well because the fuel gauge lets you know and it shuts off. It's not something that's arbitrary or you have to guess about. You don't just go, huh, I wonder if my gas is low right now. Let me pull over and fill it up. It's like, oh, yeah, I think I put enough gas in the car now. Let me just stop. No, you don't have to guess. Now, your body, when it functions optimally, does the same thing. So when leptin levels start going up, your your appetite starts going down and you shut off before nutrient spillover occurs. And what's nutrient spillover? Nutrient spillover is just a fancy way to say you consumed more energy than you needed. So now it's going to spill over into stored body fat. Now, when leptin is working optimally, you get the shutoff signal. So in addition to eating foods that are very high in micronutrients, not just macros, The other thing that everyone can do that doesn't cost a thing and you can start today is to chew your food thoroughly. Many people just eat like a vacuum cleaner, especially people that are busy during the day. You you might only have 20 minutes for lunch, so you just consume all these calories as quickly as possible. Half the time you're doing it at your desk at work or maybe you're doing it in your car on the drive somewhere, you're just ramming all these calories down and then getting right back to work. What you want to do is really take your time eating a meal. I mean, it should take over an hour to have dinner. That's how long, that's how much of a methodical process you want to have, here, almost as a form of meditation. Take one bite, you chew it thoroughly 20, 30 times, swallow that food. Now you move on to the next bite. Now this may feel like a job initially because it's, it's, it's just so much different than what any of us are used to. No one really talks about the importance of actually chewing your food and how important digestion and gut health is to your overall health. But one of the best things you can do to improve your gut health is to chew food thoroughly. And there's a reason why we have teeth. There's a reason why we have to break down foods for optimal digestion. And then what you will find is the more you chew food, the less you will actually have to eat to reach that satiety point. When you eat food very quickly, your brain gets the shutoff signal after you've already overconsumed a lot of calories because it takes a while for this signal to rise to the point where you get it. So when you take your time eating a meal, you will find that you're not stuffed, even if you eat a good amount of food. Like dinner's my biggest meal. I don't fast during the day. I have food during the day too, but I don't have big meals during the day. I have light meals, mm-hmm. protein shake, nuts and seeds, snacks. Dinner's my biggest meal. And it's a huge plate of food. I post what I eat on Instagram all the time. And it, it generally takes me at least an hour to consume this because I take my time. I'm not in a rush. So that, that will pay big dividends too. But when you don't, when you're in this inflammatory state all the time and you're in this acidic environment, you start leaking calcium from your bones as well to deal with that acidic environment. And when you're eating really high sugar foods, you're in this acidic environment. So you're leaching calcium constantly to quell that. And as calcium leaves your bones, your bones get weaker. So it's not too surprising to me that you said that you're dealing with more and more patients where they have weak bones and subsequently their recovery times are much more prolonged than they should be. And a lot of that is poor diet, high levels of stress. That that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I th- th-
0: there's there's one patient of mine where she, she springs to mind. And she springs to mind for a very specific reason. When she came in, she... So, Mike, one of, one of the clinics that I work at, we see people where they've got really bad teeth. They either have had all of their teeth removed or they need all of their teeth removed. Right. We put in multiple implants and give wow. them fixed teeth in a day. A lot of our patients are sick. Um, you know, They are generally a little bit older, a little bit overweight. Uh, this is one of the reasons, obviously, why we're having this discussion. Yeah. But there's one lady who springs to mind she was absolutely fit completely lean and she uh, used to de- she delivers post for a living uh, and she doesn't use a van she goes i like walking even in winter she goes i'll wrap up warm. i enjoy doing it right. her blood pressure was textbook it was 120 over 70 awesome. uh, i did i did surgery for her and i saw her three three weeks later You could not tell I'd done anything. I've never seen anybody heal so fast in my life. Wow. And this... And again, on the opposite end of the scale is the, my patients who are more overweight, they've got much softer bone, which is what I'm seeing, which makes sense with the systemic inflammation that you're saying, which starts to leach uh, uh, calcium out, out of the bones. Right. Uh, we know that you know high levels of body fat also interferes with uh, vitamin D absorption, which we know is important for bones. You know, it's, it's, there's this very subtle, subtle interplay and uh, we have all of uh, those uh, the, those patients that we struggle with as well. Yeah. And there's another lady that springs to mind as well, and this this ties in nicely with the nutrition aspects that we were talking about. Is I did the surgery for her. I saw her two weeks later because she was having some uh, some problems, and I, I was worried for for her because it looked like she was not healing at all. I saw her two weeks later um, and uh, uh, it looked like I'd only done the surgery yesterday. And I was like, wow, this is really not going well at all. I gave her a little bit of reassurance and booked her in another couple of weeks later to see how she uh, how she was getting on. And in that second two week period, she'd healed so much faster. And she said to me that in those first two weeks, I wasn't really eating. So she wasn't actually having the nutrition that she needs to actually heal from the process of having surgery done. In the second two weeks, because she'd had that little bit of reassurance from me, I saw a big, big improvement for her. So uh, one of my questions for you is, is I am I am assuming that for our Surgery patients, if a patient comes in to see me, they need this type of surgery. If they smoke, I turn around and say to them the importance of stopping smoking in its entirety. I said, if you smoke a little bit, it's not great, but we can kind of manage, but smoking a lot is definitely out of the question. Should we then therefore be giving? advice to patients turning around and saying to them, look, you need to start a simple exercise program. Even if it's a brisk walk for half an hour, four or five times a week, you need to make sure that you're getting good nutrition. Basically, the stuff that we're talking about, for me, that seems integral and part of the process. And I think that's probably a trick that we as surgeons are missing out on that. We're planning and executing this beautiful surgery, but we're not priming the patients uh, to to, to heal particularly well. Is there any advice that you can give us there?
1: Well, I I think a lot of surgeons are not knowledgeable about nutrition either. So they're not gonna talk about things that they don't have a level of expertise in. They focus on surgery. I'm not saying all of them just making a generalization. Because generally, like, look, if I have a knee problem and I go to a surgeon, what's he or she going to recommend? They're going to recommend surgery. Now, if I go to a physical therapist, they may recommend other things. They may say, "Okay, let's do some restorative exercises. Let's work on this. Let's work on that imbalance. It's going to be a different it's going to be a different solution. Now, I'm going to come back to your point in, in somewhat of a roundabout way. But it made me think of this whole covid situation during the lockdown where every day we're getting the news of wear a mask, wash your hands, right? Every day we're hearing that. Okay, fine. Wear a mask, wash your hands. But there was never any advice on, hey, why don't you eat an apple every once in a while instead of eating Krispy Kreme donuts every 30 minutes? How about walking around, around the block after dinner instead of watching Netflix all night, right? It was, It's like we coddle people way too much. We're so worried about offending people now. It's like, oh, God forbid we tell someone who's 100 pounds overweight that, hey, maybe you should have some fruits and vegetables in your diet and walk around the block a little bit more. We don't want to offend them. I mean, it's so asinine. It's so stupid. And I would say with America, the the real what COVID exposed in America more than anything else is how unhealthy of a country we really are. We're Mm -hmm. such an unhealthy country that it is a national security risk. Military is having a hard time recruiting people that qualify for their physical training tests. If America were attacked by a foreign invader and it were up to everyday citizens to galvanize and defend our country, I don't care how many guns people have, they're gonna have a heart attack as they run out the door to shoot it, okay? We're such an unhealthy country and that's why we were so overrun. All the hospitals were overrun here. At least that's what we heard in the news every day. It's like, oh, the hospitals are being overrun with COVID and all that. Okay, assuming that's true, which it probably was true, I'm not gonna be a conspiracy theorist and say that was all made up. And it's not hard for me to believe that it's true given how unhealthy we are. The real problem is not so much the COVID virus, the coronavirus, the real problem is the fact that we're such an unhealthy country. That's why so many people ended up on respirators. That's why so many people died. Look at the statistics of people that died. Did some healthy people die too? Yes, they did. But the vast majority of people that died from COVID were overweight, had metabolic syndrome, had diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, you name it. They had underlying health issues, which were, they were already a walking time bomb of health issues. All they needed was something to push them a little bit further along and their body couldn't fight against it. Now, people that were healthy I know some people that are very healthy that had a real hard time with COVID. They got COVID. They were wiped out for two weeks. It took months until they felt good, but they survived. They didn't die from it. Mm -hmm. There are some college athletes that had really negative side effects. And a lot of times the media likes to hype these up as a way to say, see, healthy people get it too. As if being healthy doesn't matter. Now you're talking about an aberration. You're not talking about, it's, it's, it's not generally healthy people that had a hard time with COVID. The vast majority of people that even have a decent level of health were able to just self-treat at home, kick back for a couple of weeks, and you're back at it. They didn't have to go to the hospital in large numbers. The people that did have all the underlying health issues that I mentioned were largely the vast majority of people that were on respirators or died from the COVID, from coronavirus. Vitamin D is another one that's really important. So we're telling people, wash your hands and wear a mask and stay indoors as much as possible. Okay, great. Now we're not getting any sunshine, which is not only is it important for vitamin D, it's important for your mood as well. It's important no. for positivity. I mean, I've been to the UK a million times and some, I've been out there for long stretches where I wonder if sunshine even exists. Yeah, it does. Barely. <laughs> right. It rains so much out there. And you see a lot of very pale people out there too. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I don't think I can handle that kind of weather because here in Las Vegas, it's blue skies and sunny almost probably 360 days out of the year. And you, you get to yeah. that. But it, but it has such a profound benefit on your mood. Being outside, being exposed to sunlight, not just your vitamin D levels, but there's so many other factors.
0: This is another thing that we hear as well is, you know, we, we're talking about you know, people not being outside because either they've been told to stay inside for the last two years, or they've got office jobs. They're not outside. But even when you do go outside now, what's the other thing you're told put sunblock on, you know, you're going outside, you're putting sunblock on everywhere. So you've got low vitamin D and you're blocking it coming in even further. And it's, I'm pretty sure I've already done a podcast on the importance of vitamin D and cholesterol, but it's 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 just incredible. You know, is we know I know as a surgeon, the data and what the data shows is if your vitamin D levels are low, then it's as bad for your healing as what smoking is or uncontrolled diabetes. That's how powerful this is.
1: Well, there were a lot of studies with vitamin D and COVID as well, and they found that people who had vitamin D levels that were below forty, I don't know what the testing yeah. methods are out there, but below forty had a higher incidence of serious symptoms or death via COVID, yes. higher someone's COVID levels. I mean, it's not COVID levels, they're higher their vitamin D levels, such as being at 80 to 100, which is what Dr. Mark Gordon recommends, it's almost impossible that you're going to, I mean, it's not impossible that you're going to get the virus, but it's, it's highly unlikely that you're going to develop serious symptoms from it. when yeah. your vitamin D levels are that optimal. That's what the studies show. And there, there are tons of studies on this too. This is not something where it's just someone's opinion somewhere. Now, are they double blind randomized studies, perfect studies, control studies? No, they're not. But it's enough to give us some information that hey, vitamin look, vitamin D is important regardless of whether it protects you from COVID or not. Yeah, you didn't do it just because oh okay, I didn't care about vitamin D before, but now that COVID is looming, let me get on that now. No, vitamin D is important for your testosterone levels. It's important for healthy cholesterol levels, as you mentioned. It's important for bone health. It's important for mood. I mean, it's a hormone. It's it's a, it's not a vitamin. It's a hormone. It has systemic effects yeah. throughout your entire body it's really important for growth hormone as well which is also really important for the healing process if someone has really depleted growth hormone levels they're not going to have the same healing abilities as someone with optimal levels
0: yeah i mean it's i mean we could just keep talking about this what what's really coming out for me is just the 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 intricacies of 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 all these balances that we're talking about you know one thing is interlinked to the next. So if what if one thing is not functioning properly, it just has a knock-on effect and another knock-on effect. And uh, it's, 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 it, 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 it is getting that balance. Yeah. Um, and I think that is probably one of the reasons uh, why we are seeing patients who are generally sicker. Because over the last two years, uh, cortisol levels have obviously been increasing. Either from people who are worried about the virus or worried that, you know, that their job's not secure anymore. I just think Cortisol's gone through the roof over the last uh, couple of years. Absolutely. Combine that with media hype all the time. Right. Um, you know, one of, one of the worst things that you can do for for your brain and 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 for your emotions is actually listen to the news. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it, it doesn't matter what what news source it is, right. is they all lie. It's all it's all right. bullshit, basically. Right. One of the best things you can do for your mind is just switch the TV off. Yeah, uh, you know, sure. and just turn t- turn turn the news off. Um, even
1: if the news is accurate and I'm not saying that we should put our head in the sand and not be aware of no. in the world yeah. even if the news is accurate 99% of the time it's it's being inundated with problems that you can't do anything about so now yeah. you have the stress of knowing about these things and also the feeling of being helpless about doing anything about it Yeah. and like I said I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware of problems I mean human trafficking is one thing that I like to make people aware of and it's a very daunting task because it's almost like a game of whack-a-mole. Every time you save some kids, more kids are being pushed into slavery. So it almost yeah. feels hopeless. It's almost, you almost feel why even bother saving these five kids when these 100 kids over here are being pushed right into it. But you, you have to look at what you can do. So if you can support an organization like Project Child Save and they, you help them rescue 10 kids, that's a proactive step. Yeah, not necessarily do anything about the 200 kids over here right away. So you don't want to dwell on that and get depressed about. It. Let's focus on what what can I do over here to make a difference, yeah. because that's going to yeah. be more empowering.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, th- this is. Again, something that we've spoken about over the years as well. You know, I know that you uh, support some absolutely fantastic charities, and you're a, a, a big adv- advocate for uh, animal rights. I know you've got a number of uh, uh, of rescue dogs as well. Um, <laughs> you know, I see I, my my dog sat on the on the sofa exactly where he shouldn't be, but he, <laughs> he knows that I'm sat over here, so he doesn't bother him. And I I, I think like his what what you've said is is very true and this is something that i read in um in stephen covey's book seven habits of highly effective people is okay. there's two aspects there's there there's things that you have control over and things that you don't have control over if you don't have control over something why worry about it it doesn't matter what it is if you've got no influence over it focus on what you do have influence over and that that circle of influence will actually increase and as you said is it, if you're supporting this charity and you're saving five kids focus on the because for those five kids it is life changing right yeah. so it's uh, i think it's it, it's very much a fact of you know this ended up being more philosophical than uh, than anything uh, that uh, this evening purely from a point of you know from from what we originally started to discuss It's, you know, it's an overall philosophy of health, but that also comes down to uh, health of the mind as well, because if you're stressed up here, it's going to affect the, the rest of your body as well. So, um, what I wanted to mention to anybody who's listening as well, Mike actually has uh, his own podcast as well. Um, Mike, just remind me the name of your podcast again, please.
1: Well, I do two things. I do the Live Life Aggressively show with my friend Sincere Hogan. That's on yeah. iTunes and or Apple Music, wherever you find podcasts. And then it's not, I don't do it, I do, I do it more in a random manner, but I do a YouTube show as well the aggressive strength conversations. And that's something that sure. I do sporadically. So I may do four episodes in a row, then I don't do it for three months. You know, so yeah. it's, it's more of a casual nature. The LLA show, we tend to be more on point with putting out an episode every two weeks, at least. Yeah. yeah. So the, the podcasts are good in this. I mean, the podcasts are good for me because I like to talk to interesting people. And that, that's another yeah. big stress for a lot of people is that let's say you're someone who wants to make all these positive proactive changes in your life, but everyone around you is negative. That's just the yeah. circumstance. So you're trying to get in shape and your friends are going, oh, what are you, a workout guy now? What are you going to be competing in the Olympics? Come on, let's go have a drink. It's like, what are you, a health nut now? How you know, are dealing with that? Or you're at a job you go, man, I can't stand this job. I want to get into this. Like, oh, that's never going to work. You're not going to make it from <laughs> that. And look, I mean, you have to have a belief in yourself for whatever you want to do. Because when I got yeah. into the kettlebell training in 2002, nobody <clears> – <throat> nobody. And I mean, nobody thought that was going to be a viable way to make money, but I did. And I'm the only person that mattered because other people aren't living my life. You know, I had that belief that this is a great training tool that the masses, or at least enough of the masses are going to want or be attracted to that I can make a good living doing this. And that that proved to be true, but you have to have that belief in yourself. Now it's hard to have that belief in yourself when you're just bombarded by negativity by everyone in the circle. So sometimes you have to just be the lone Writer and to just leave all of that negativity <clears throat> behind. I mean, I, I don't have anyone in my life that is a negative influence at this point. They don't come anywhere near me. I wouldn't let anyone tell me what I'm capable of doing or not capable of doing. Now, but I don't even like talking to people that have this scarcity mindset. I don't like talking to people that you bring up things that are really good for your health. And the first question is, oh, is it expensive? It's like Who cares <laughs> if it's expensive if you need it? You know, if you have a yeah. like me and you can do something that makes you feel better, I don't care how expensive it is. I'll pay it. You know? do it. Yeah. because Who wants to deal with that all the time? I think too many people get way too comfortable with, with being in this diminished state. You know, why do we even have to inspire men to want to be physically strong and in shape? Yeah. When I was growing up, everybody wanted to be strong and in shape. We're watching people like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers in Rocky movies and Predator. And everybody wanted to be like those guys. We're watching yeah. damn, damn movies and everybody's going to karate class on Monday and <laughs> taking kickboxing <laughs> lessons and all that. Because those were our unofficial role models. I mean, all of us who got into working out in the 1980s, it was we were all inspired by the same people in the movies. Yeah. I, mean, I want to look like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I remember watching Commando. I remember watching <laughs> exactly. Total Recall. And I was just like, yeah, you know, I used to go lifting lifting yeah.
1: tins of beans like this. Going, yeah, if I do enough of these, I could look like that. Yeah, yeah, you can't wait. because But because innately, you knew as a man that, hey, that's what you should have. Now, you don't have to take it to the level that those guys have, but you want to be in that direction. You you want to be a guy who can do a pull up. You want to be a guy who can do 10 push push-ups. You want to be a guy who can walk five miles or run 50 yards if you have to. Right. This is hardly a high bar of fitness I'm talking about here, but very few people can check each one of those off and they become comfortable with that state. You know, you should want to be. Physically strong because that's going to make you more mentally strong as well as spiritually strong. Because one of the benefits of working out is not about just building muscle and lifting heavy weights. It's about putting yourself purposely in a situation that is uncomfortable and persevering through that. You know, most of us are it's always looking for ways to be comfortable. Like, let's be as comfortable as possible. And there's a place for comfort. But the good thing about physical training is that to make progress, it's not going to be comfortable. You're going to have to push yourself. You're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that it's not uncomfortable and even get to the point where you actually look forward to that discomfort because you know what it's going to bring out of you. That makes you mentally tougher in every other facet of your life. If you let it, Now there are some people that are only badasses in the gym in the context of the gym, they're physically strong. They walk around like they're the baddest MF in the world and all that. But outside of that environment, they're a pinball in the game of life. They have, they, there's a disconnect. They haven't taken the lessons they learned from arduous physical training and applied it to other areas of your life. And in yeah. my opinion, the real benefits of engaging in intense physical training is not just the fact that you get physically more fit. But the fact that you get mentally stronger in every other area of your life, if you want to, the the, the level, the work ethic I developed from physical training paid huge dividends when I was building my fitness business. One, you had way more energy to really push yourself hard. And two, you were very comfortable with discomfort. So it wasn't a big deal. I mean, look, teaching an eight hour seminar where you're throwing heavy kettlebells around all day long, that's not comfortable. That's a that's a huge expenditure of not just physical energy, but mental energy, because you're talking, you're answering questions, you're engaging with people, you're in front of the room, keeping everyone's attention for a long period of time, in addition to pushing yourself physically as well. So that brings out that that the the benefit of enduring that kind of stuff is that it just toughens you up for the game of life.
0: Yeah, I think the 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 i mean i was going to say the take homes that i've got for today but you know like i've i've known you for years and you know you know i've i've, I've listened to to your stuff as well uh, i think the take homes that i would like for anybody listening to this uh, to get from today is to look after ourselves and to look after our patients diet is important a good quality diet um f- and physical fitness is important because that starts to optimize everything internally and mental and spiritual uh uh, health and well-being it it all interplays together you know is is if you uh, are in this depressed state it it does alter your hormone profile that alters your healing so you know we should be telling patients to you know start start to take take care of themselves and you know and and eat better as well and as I said I've mentioned already I had that one lady where for two weeks, she just did not heal because she wasn't eating properly at all. And then, you know, the following two weeks, she healed really quickly. And that's just the power of nutrition. Right. I've mentioned another lady who just healed like lightning because she was just physically fit on a daily basis. I think we need to start pushing this to our patients a lot more and turning around and saying to them that, look, we can do the surgery. We can put these implants in into your mouth, but we need your help if you can look after yourself better, that you're just going to get a better response for what we do for you.
1: I think that's um, a really point is what, what responsibilities should the patient be willing to take on in yeah. the process? And I think the mistake a lot of p- patients make is they go to a doctor they go to a dentist and they're expecting you to solve their problems for them. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, your cholesterol is really high. Here's a Lipitor prescription. It's like, oh, your teeth are all rotten. We're going to take them all out and put new ones in. solution solved. Okay, but what can you do as part of this process as well to derive the maximum benefit as opposed to just following direct just going to a doctor for a solution for every problem you have. And I think that we, we have such poor priorities when it comes to things. And here's what I mean. Like if I tell some like like when people hear about my diet, like again it's fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, some grains they're like, okay, that's all you eat. They act as if I'm a health nut. It's like, I'm a health nut because I focus on eating real food, stuff that actually exists in nature that was intended for my body. That makes me a health nut. Now, someone who eats a bunch of processed garbage, they're eating ice cream all the time, they're eating cakes, they're eating cookies. That's a normal person. But someone that actually eats real food is some kind of aberration. You're a health nut. It's like, I'm a health nut because I eat the foods that were intended for my body to function at its best. And then people always feel like they're going to be deprived. It's like, well, you never have cake. You never have this. I was like, well, look, here's the thing. It's kind of like Neo in the matrix, right? He didn't didn't have to dodge bullets anymore. He could just stop them. So what I'm saying is that when you get used to eating really healthy food, it's not that you can't have unhealthy food if you want to. Is that you don't want to most of the time. No. I'm not even remotely tempted. When I walk past cinnamon buns or donuts or cakes and cupcakes and all this stuff, it has no effect. It's not something I'm like, oh, I better get out of here before I buy three cupcakes. No. That's just uh, that stuff just goes right by. I could care less because I've been eating healthy for so long. Now, do I have that kind of stuff every once in a while? Yeah, sure. One guy was asking me at this dog park I go to. He goes, you know, what do you eat on your birthday to to just just to celebrate and all that? I go, my birthday. I'm not a 12 year old girl. okay? if I (laughs) want to eat something, if I want to have cake today, I'm going to go have it. And I'm going to have it guilt-free. I'm not going to worry about it at all. I'm not saying that you can't ever eat something that's unhealthy again. You can have that stuff if you want to from time to time. But my point is, is that when your body gets used to healthy food and your taste buds adjust to it and you feel the energy from it, you feel incredible and your mood is good and you're energetic, you're not going to want to do anything that takes you off that path. You know, that's the whole point I'm making. Like, look, I used to drink a lot of alcohol when I was in high school and I used to drink a lot of alcohol when I was in college and I would be hungover all the time and I felt like crap. And then I was using that as a way to feel better, to treat my depression, but it wasn't helping. It was making things worse. Now, I don't tell myself that I rarely drink now, but if I want to have a drink, I will have it. But I rarely ever want to have it. I mean, I have bottles of wine in the house that people are giving me. I've got vodka. I've got all kinds of stuff right 10 feet in front of me. And I'm not remotely tempted to have it. I never have a drink in the house by myself ever. It doesn't mean that I can't ever have a drink again. I don't tell myself these absolutes like, OK, you're never going to have a, any alcohol ever again. I don't tell myself that. But what I find is that I don't really want it because it doesn't make me feel good anymore. You know, having a hangover does not make me feel good. It can make me if I have three or four drinks, I could be depressed for five days because you know, my biochemistry is delicate. So when, once you finally get to a place where you're going, OK, this depression is not gone, but I feel like I'm on top of it. Like the way I equate it is here's here's the strength of my depression. And when when my strength is down here, the depression is overwhelming. It's in the forefront mm-hmm. of my brain. But if I can get myself healthier where now my strength is just above that depression, the depression is still here, but I have the strength to deal with that. Now, now it's in the back of my head. It's not in the forefront anymore. So I'm not saying that all of this stuff is magic, such as you've had lifelong depression and you just optimize a few hormones and now you're going to feel like a million bucks for the rest of your life. No, it's not that simple, but you're going to feel dramatically better. And the stresses in life that we all deal with are not going to go away but your ability to handle them is going to be far more pronounced. And that's the best thing to ask for.
0: Yeah. I think my my colleagues listening to this will probably appreciate now (laughs) why – why i i've been following you for you for, for years um you know it's because you're an absolute fountain of, of, of knowledge mike thank you very much for, for 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 coming on this evening uh what i would say to 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 anybody who's interested in learning more right if you want your mind blown go to mike's website which is mikemarler.com m-a-h-l-e-r.com uh mike have you still got your um uh, the audio files for hormone optimization that you can yeah. get from that. Yeah, you know? I have an
1: eight hour lecture series, very comprehensive, yeah. which comes with notes as well. And that's, that's,
0: that's where I started my, my journey with you. I was like, uh, you know, I was like, wow, what's this about? And I was like, I, you know, I, Purchased, downloaded that, and uh, it was it was a real eye opener for me. And uh, anybody who's listening to this who wants to learn more, I'd recommend listening to to that because I mean, this is just a tiny snippet of 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 Mike's knowledge. But uh, it said if you go uh, uh, to his website and download uh, uh, purchase and download the, the, the audio stuff, uh, look at Mike's supplements as well. I get Mike's supplements all, all all the time. Um, uh, I've not I've, I've not placed an order for a while. And I don't feel as good for it, you know. It's 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 just one of those things. Is I ran out, and I thought oh, I'll order it next month, and I just keep uh-huh. getting it. And, and 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 you know the last two two last couple of months, I've not been feeling as great. So, uh-huh. you know, it it is. You know, as I said I've I've known Mike for years. I I do. Um, uh, I, I I do uh, order his products, and I can I can say from
1: personal experiences, I I feel a lot better for it. Um So I just want to add one thing: is with my website. Now, keep in mind, I, I am a businessman. I, I sell nutrition supplements that I design. I think they work great, but like like everyone else, I have to make a living. Now that said. I also give away a ton of free information. So if you're yeah. saying, look, I want to learn a little bit more before I invest in that course, that's fine. I totally understand that. I have tons of free articles on hormone optimization. I have tons of episodes with hormone optimization experts on the Live Life Aggressively show as well as my YouTube channel. In fact, I have two episodes with Dr. Mark Gordon, who in my opinion is the foremost hormone optimization expert in the world. And then my friend, Dr. Julio Garcia. So that's three episodes that are completely free, that are very comprehensive, where you can just delve into this field more before you invest a dime. Because I'm a strong believer in sharing information with people that's gonna improve their lives. And if I can establish value with people doing that, they're gonna be way more inclined to support my business. So rather than just saying, hey, just go buy my supplements. It's like, no, no, go educate yourself on this field and then you'll understand why my supplements make sense for you and which ones are going to be a fit for you. So so that would be my suggestion as well is just delve into, this is a very important field to understand and you want to work with an expert at some point too. This is not something you just want to try to figure out for yourself. So if you can find a good anti-aging doctor or a good hormone optimization doctor or a naturopath, someone that can guide you through this process, do all the lab work, make the right recommendations, basically a guide now that's going to have yep. huge dividends because I can tell you one thing, there are so many exciting developments in the pipeline right now. One thing that's huge in the U.S. are peptides, things such as tesamorelin, yeah. which ramps up your own growth hormone production, things such as TB500 and BPC157, which are very healing compounds. You know, these are the kind of things that would actually help your patients with healing as well. I don't know how readily accessible they are in the UK, but in the US they're becoming more and more accessible. And that's just that's just the early stages of what's in the development line right now. So the, now there's no better time to get into this field in terms of understanding it. And you don't have to accept the fact some like I have this very unhealthy, irrational fear of aging. I'll start there. Yeah. I don't want to age. People that are old, and I go, I don't want to buy tickets to that show. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's not going to happen to me. That's the way I look at it. Now, that could be very delusional. That could be totally irrational. But what it does do is it, it motivates me to make sure I'm making all the right moves now. And I've been on yeah. this healthy lifestyle since I was in my early 20s. But I'm 48 now, and I still lift really heavy weights. I still feel strong. I still feel very vibrant. And I think that's because I've just dedicated myself to this lifestyle. And a lot of times I meet people that are several years younger than me that look way older and they feel terrible. And this is Mm -hmm. not me just trying to say, oh, look how much better I am than these people. It's me trying to convey what a difference you can make in your own life if you're willing to commit to things like this. In other words, you don't have to reach 45 and think your best years are behind you. You don't have to be that guy who's 50 who talks about what he used to be able to do. You can have this prolonged period of time where you're strong and fit and feel really good. I mean, just look at some of the people that we all idolized when we were in our teenage years, people like Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Those guys still work out now. They're in their 70s and they're still jacked. They're still training hard. And some people will say, well, they're on TRT, they're on this. So what? A lot of people are on those things and you wouldn't even know they work out because they're just taking it and not dedicating themselves to a fitness lifestyle. And at a certain point... Hormone replacement does make sense for everybody, for men and women. So that's one thing I also want to leave is that I'm not anti-hormone replacement at all. I don't mm-hmm. think it should be the first step, especially for someone at a certain age. You know, you want to do all the things you can. You want to optimize your nutrition, your sleep, your your physical activity. Trying to get into something you enjoy doing for a living. You want to take control of as many factors as possible. But let's say you're 55 and you're going, look, I'm doing everything right, but I'm just not producing the level of testosterone that I used to be able to produce. So what are you supposed to do? Just deal with having depleted levels? No. At that point, TRT replacement makes sense at that point. It just shouldn't be the first step on this path, in my opinion. It should be more of a last step where we've tried everything natural to make you feel great, to no avail. So now let's move on to the next progression. Yeah,
0: makes sense. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to leave you to get on with the rest of your day. Um, again, anybody who's interested, it's Uh You can reach out to me, follow Mike. He's on, he's on Instagram as well. Um, uh, and uh, again... Uh, you know, it's quarter past eleven here. Uh, so again, titanium nerds. You know, I I'm way past my bedtime. I need to go and get some good quality sleep. It started at eleven. But I'm, you know, Mike. I'm, you know, I'm I'm the same as yourself. I'm very passionate about what I'm do about what I do. I'm here to serve, I'm here to try to, um, uh, try to divulge some of the knowledge and information that I have. Uh, I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as, uh, in this field as yourself. That's why I wanted to get you on. and said, it's been more of a, uh, I've been listening this time around as opposed to engaging a conversation, which is what I normally do. And I, again, I've learned so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, yeah, I like, like enjoy talking to you. Brilliant. So Titanium Nerds, uh, I will speak to you soon.